0: Are you working on something new? Welcome and thank you for joining Something New, a bi-weekly musical theater podcast where I, Joel B. New, invite an exceedingly talented friend over to my apartment, we chat a bit, and then we learn and record a brand new song, which we end up premiering right here for your listening pleasure. Today's guest artist is an actor, a musical director, a coach, an accompanist, composer, and an arranger. Uh, he has been seen on Broadway in the recent revival of Company, and obviously I'm talking about Matt Castle. Matt Castle, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Glad yeah, to be here. Of course, of course. Uh, so let's just talk a little bit about how how we met. I guess uh, it was at NYU. Yep. You were a grad student. I was a grad student, and Matt Castle was MDing some stuff, which is music directing some stuff, medical doctoring, <laughs> it's
1: doing actual blood and gut surgery on, which something. was really distracting while yeah, it was we were distracting, writing musicals. Yeah. But I'm multi talented. Yeah, as we're about exceedingly, to, yeah. Does that mean that's excessive? Like somebody like it's who's too much. It's too much. It's in bad it was, taste. This is actually an intervention.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> like we need to so please need stop to be being talented. <laughs> can, can, can you take a break? Could, please God, cut it out. God. Take a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) So NYU. NYU, and Matt Castle was uh, MDing this, that, and the other, and just just an amazing human being. I was like, "I, I, I want to know this person, I want to work with this person, you know... Let's make that happen, and here we are all these years
1: later. Yeah. So, um... well, you approached me once or twice, right, yeah. about some stuff like you're doing a concert of La La, La or a reading of blah blah blah, and <clears throat> the timing never really seemed to work out. Yeah. But then this past spring, right, mm-hmm. or fall, spring, summer, September. When See? Um, so in September, we did Mackenzie. Yeah, we did McKenzie boy. and the Missing Boy with New York Theatre Bar. Very informal, like, sight reading, pretty exactly. much. Exactly. It was yeah. great. Yeah. It yeah. was our you. first time actually working
0: together. I know. I know. It was about time. Yeah. About time. But um, yeah, no, uh, Matt is fantastic because he can just sit down and. Play it. And he's like, oh, you mean like this? And and he's right. 9.9 <laughs> 9 times out of 10. Well, if it's on the page, then it's a good start. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but no, um, Matt is fantastic. The reason I, I brought him over is not only because he's an amazing vocalist, which you're about to find out, uh, but he does all these other things that are so crucial to the musical theater community at large. And I want... Just to kind of talk briefly about each one of them and how they intertwine and how one, you know, helps with the other or, you know, how those lines blur for you. Um, So, yeah. Starting where? Let's start from, you know, you're from California. Yeah. And you, I was reading on your, your, I was stalking you on your website and it said that you hadn't had any piano lessons until
1: college. That's right. We had a piano in the house. My dad played. Right. He t- pretty much taught himself. He had some friends who played piano to a greater or lesser extent, so they helped him get started. He could read treble clef. That's the notes in the right hand, uh-huh. by and large. And um, never really learned to read bass clef, because for the music he was interested in playing, he didn't need to know it. He needed to be able to plunk out a tune, yep. and he needed to be able to play something along to accompany himself. You're taking guitar, you said. Yeah. you starting yeah. guitar lessons, right? So like, that's kind of what it's about in pop music with guitar. I'm just gonna sing the tune. I need to know how it goes in my ear, and then like, dun, 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 I'm gonna play my chords underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so you more... like, you learn patterns. You learn this is how you make a major chord on the guitar. Well, so he, my dad learned this is how you make a major chord on the piano from whatever. Give me a note, and I'll make a major chord. So he had some some kind of basic building blocks vocabulary. Me as a kid growing up with it, I was like, this is incredible. I need to know how to do this. Yeah. So. Uh, when I started to be old enough to mentally be able to take on what it was he was doing, he started to show me, all right, well, this is C, this is A, this is whatever. These are the notes on the piano. And uh, this is how, you know, when it says above it, C with a little M, that means C minor. So instead of playing this chord, you'd play this. It's uh-huh. like, oh, okay. I'm soaking it all up like a sponge, yeah. right? And so that was really how I started was in popular music. The songs that were on the radio in the 70s when I was growing up. Fantastic. Um, and whatever, we had shit music too. Right? <laughs> um, later, this it's actually kind of dumb. Um, later, while watching Jeopardy! one night, uh-huh. this is, I was like in maybe seventh grade or something. There's an audio daily double. What is this piece of music,
2: right?
1: So you don't do the dance, Joel. This is a podcast. I see Sorry. Sorry. And I'm although you're excessively talented. Saying, thank you. Thank you. As a dancer, you. as a folk dancer. Thank you. A Hungarian folk dancer, because the answer to the Audio Daily Devil was <laughs> okay. what is Brahms' fifth Hungarian dance? I was like, Brahms, Hungarian, got to get on this. So I went to the library. Found the scores for the Hungarian dances for piano duo, the way they or duet, the way they were written, and um, then that sort of began a whole other quest in my life of classical music and and this whole tradition that existed that I was unaware of until then. Um, So then that kind of led into a whole bunch of stuff. I learned how to read bass clef. I learned more about how to read rhythms. I learned a lot about classical music just on my own, Um, and that. Interest grew, and in, and to such a point that I was teaching myself piano solo music. I mean, like I had no technique; I couldn't play a scale to save my life. My arms were like cement; they were so rigid. Um, <laughs> what was so... your fingering like? Because I just ridiculous, piano. yeah. Just make crap up, yep. right? It was yep. dumb. It was terrible. Um, so <laughs> I went and auditioned as a high school senior for a music conservatory that was near where I grew up. This is uh, the University of Pacific in Stockton, California, and um, they they were like. What? Because <laughs> it says, you know, list here all your piano teachers. N.A. <laughs> oh, you know, like, uh, So they're probably like, oh, God, it must be like, this is a slow news day. We're going to take this one. But all right, let's see what he can do. And I come in with this thing by Cacheturian. One of them says, I didn't know Cacheturian wrote a piano sonata. And I'm like, well, they had it at Jack's House of Music in Sacramento. That's where I found it. I liked it. <laughs> here it is. <laughs> and it's this thing with all these mixed meters and it's kind of like musically involved right and um, and so uh, the way I see it in hindsight is they were like if you could teach yourself to do that then we're willing to take a chance on you you know like come in we'll let you as in a freshman you have to declare an instrument you don't play well enough or have enough experience to be a performance major but you could major in anything else here. Music ed, music composition, whatever. And you chose ed. I um, actually chose composition you and did. then switched to music ed. Literally. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then you went on later and got your composition Yeah, degree. as a master's degree. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the—that's a version of the story of how that happened. It's a great yeah. story. Yeah. But you can imagine my piano teachers had their hands full when they got me i'm sure i was like helen keller or something i was like this wild animal with no idea what to do (laughs) i was like beethoven who (laughs) and they're like no it's great trust me i was like i don't hear it guys (laughs) so i'm like force march beethoven and then you know eventually after years of it then it became wonderful and i have been ever since grateful That uh, that i made that transition yeah and then how did you, how did musical theater come into the picture? I was always interested in that. We would go as a family to see shows. Uh, music Circus is in my hometown, That's Sacramento so yep. Summer Stock, and they would attract names. You, know, Marriott Hartley would come, and Kathleen Freeman. These people who I knew from TV, yeah, because um, that's my generation. We know who we yes. knew from TV and movies, mm-hmm. right? Um, John Davidson, blah blah blah. Um, we would go see shows. I knew Oklahoma, Greece, The Music Man, kind of the things that get performed all the time. Right. We watched the movies whenever they came on TV, the musical movies. Um, so it was just kind of part of life. And I didn't really suspect that all these parallel streams of artistic and musical interests were yeah. capable of fusing um, in a professional way. I, it seemed like if I met someone by chance by the teeny slim chance I should meet someone who is also interested in classical music they had no idea what this other thing was to them it was like somebody else's gig right Right? or if I should happen to know a theater person who also could not only tolerate musicals but happened to be interested in them they had no idea who, who Brahms is or right, Palestrina right. or any of these other people right so they were just really separate worlds and by and large they still are I don't have a lot of friends agree. who cross from one to the other yeah um, but to me, the thing they always had in common was, especially when you hear a piece of music you've never heard, the thing starts and it's this story that unfolds. Maybe it has words to hang on to. Maybe it's just the sounds going by, but you you follow through all the turns it takes and it's this suspenseful ride. Yeah, it's What's a journey. What's going to happen? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's always that has it in common. And now I see paintings that way. Because no matter what, like my eye lands on something. You have something on the wall. My eye lands on this yellow pillowcase, and then I'm like, "Ooh, there's a chair. Ooh, there's a da 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 da." And it becomes this quest that unfolds over time. You know?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, um, and you've only been in New York since since 2000. Since 2000, I moved here 12 years ago. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so,
1: so what officially brought you here? Courage and money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it took me a while to admit to myself yes, I really do want to go see what New York is, yeah. whether there's a place for me there. Because it is intimidating. It's That's a literally. synonym for, like, if, you know, this is where you got to really be tough to make it, or da-da-da. Yeah. And my idea of growing up, since I grew up in the generation I did, was Saturday Night Fever and A Chorus Line and all these stories about, like, brutal knifings every second <laughs> on every corner of the city. So when I finally came here as a tourist in the early 90s and discovered that New York had changed since then, <laughs> uh, that, that helped make it start to
0: seem possible. Right. I only involve myself in knife fights like every other month now.
1: Right. It doesn't really happen that often. No. Yeah. But... I mean, it's kind of up to you. Yeah. And there's a support group for it's, it, it's, too, it's, if you find you're doing too much of it. It's what you put out there. <laughs> it's what you put out there. It's like they say. <laughs> I don't, I, we've really... Yeah, we've spun off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: so, and what avenue of, of your... Of your of, of the map that is all the things that you do, which, which one... Open the door to all the others here. Like, where did, did you come here? Not? I'm at Castle and I am a... An actor.
1: Okay. Yeah, which was hard even to say. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> not having yeah. had formal training in an acting school, I'm, uh, I have this came in, came here with this insecurity about, do I even know what I'm doing as an actor? And that insecurity persists. You know, I can look at a piece of music, I can look at a lyric, and I understand what the story is. The challenge for me always is... Well, I just step in and do it instead of sitting outside and thinking about it or trying to shape it in some kind of way. Just shut up and do the job. Right. It's a hard thing for me to do because I overcomplicate things, <laughs> <laughs> as we musicians tend to. Do. Yes, especially so, piano players like to overcomplicate. I believe. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: So from from acting, did you know? Just you, you sit down one day and someone said, "Oh, uh, you also play." You. Also I kept it a secret,
1: if you can even imagine. I can't. I moved here and out. I thought, you know, if it gets out that I do this thing, then I'll be right back where I was when I decided to get out and come to New York, Yeah. which was, I'm playing a lot of recitals for other people, which is great. I yeah, love yeah, accompanying. Yeah, yeah. I actually love it. And it was very fulfilling during the time I did it. And then after a while, because I was in an academic environment where the same repertoire passes sure, sure all the time, because there are these pieces that you work on as a student, Then it started to be a treadmill for me Um, musically. There started to be less and less to discover the longer Mm. I stayed. And there's always more depth to find. You know, there are pieces I would love to return to now with things I've learned in life. Mm. But but at the time I was, it was not, I wasn't learning more fast enough. So it was time to do something else. And I thought, I just need to put away this piano thing. I'll use it. I'm not going to stop doing it, but I need to keep it to myself. Um... So, I moved here in 2000. Things went really well for me at first. I started auditioning in January 2001. I got into equity immediately. I was 29, so it helps. I didn't come in like absolutely green and knowing nothing. I had some life behind me, which was good. Yeah. Um, but I got into equity. I got a tour of Theater USA. I got a season at Music Circus in the chorus. I got a job right after that at Sacramento Theater Company doing a principal role. It was like, this is great. And then September 2011 came and with uh, of 2001 right uh, September 11th that's what I meant to say and that changed the market temporarily Um, maybe permanently I don't know we can't tell that yet but but at the time what it meant was when money changed after 2011 there were it seemed fewer Broadway jobs and as some of the Broadway actors had to move down a notch in the food chain those of us who are newest in the food chain were like, oh no. It's <laughs> like <laughs> it the worst trickle-down effect. Right, because it pushes everything down, yeah. right? With fewer opportunities to go around. So then I started taking whatever work I could get. I tutored SAT students. I did, like, whatever. And that included piano work. And then it turned out, well, there's definitely a market for skilled, interested, passionate musicians and in that's the theater you, right? in New York. Yeah. And so, you know, and then it turns out... Here, the, what it, the talent quotient here is different from what it is in university because people aren't coming here unformed and green and, and in a learning thing and following these established patterns. They're coming yeah. here trying to make something new. Yeah. So being in this pool of people who are all doing something new, it, it has been stimulating the whole time I've been doing it.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. And what are, you, what are you working on right now?
1: Oh a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the answer to this. <laughs> um as an actor not much, although I'm sort of contemplating turning back in that direction to Yay. see what it would be like. Yeah. Um
2: but that, it goes in
1: circles. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um and as long as they as long as I can find a place for me, then I'm I'm happy actually. I'm just happy to be involved in this community. Uh, that is an I hear for you, the yeah. time I hear being. You, yeah. Um, My husband and I run a company called Brainstorm Theatrics. We orchestrate, we direct, we do. So we've got a lot of stuff going there. We record demos, blah, blah, blah. So uh, we're orchestrating a show that will premiere at Sacramento Theater Company. Uh, It's called A Little Princess. It's not the one by Andrew Lippa. It's one by Eric Rockwell and Margaret Rose and um, Bill... uh, I'm so sorry. Bill Brook wrote this A Little Princess. And it's going to have its premiere in a couple months at Sacramento Theater Company. We're scoring it.
0: That's amazing. Which is great, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I think we're going to be scoring another show for Theater Works USA. I'm not sure. We've done three, and I think we have another one coming this fall. But nice. I won't say anything about it yet. Yeah. Uh, like, put a it title. out there. Put it out there, because um, we love them. We really believe in what they do. They're we good love people. working for them. Yeah. And we're scoring yet another show for our friend Lawrence Rush, who has written Pride and Prejudice musical. Okay. Big, gorgeous, lavish thing with awesome. a sure. big orchestra. Has to be. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, so a lot of orchestration. We also do sequencing and recording at home. So I'm really busy with that stuff. Um, Other than that, I've got uh, this concert I mentioned to you earlier before we got on the air here. uh, That's for the Directory of Contemporary Music Theater Writers that's coming up tomorrow. Fantastic. I'm um, wow. doing a reading of The Astonishing Return of the Protagonists. That comes up later this week. This is with uh, Mark Kudish and Alice Ripley and Chris Sieber and all these great people in it. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Are you, are, and, and what side of the table are you working Music directing okay. on those two projects. Fantastic.
0: Um, well, if anyone wants to get in touch with you as far as arranging or score like to, to A, get in touch with you or to be hear what you do, is there a centralized location
1: we're actually building the website now uh we just formulated the name brainstorm theatrics in the last like couple days and we, we're right now developing a logo and then we have the website domain but there's nothing on it yet great so very soon you'll be able to reach us through brainstorm theatrics dot com for now you can get to me through my own website which is just mattcastle.com
0: nice yeah. great well um i guess we should we should set up the song yeah all right, so yeah, I'm gonna let you do this because it's very involved. <laughs> I was about to ask you to do it. Uh-huh. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so uh, Matt is singing omission from uh, my short musical RSVP, which we've premiered a couple of other solo songs from that here on the podcast. And uh, Matt is singing the part of the stranger, which I have to make sure I'm really focused to explain my own piece. <laughs> As 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 default, devotee uh, devoted listeners will, will know, uh, Michael Walker is a nonfiction writer and is trying his hand at a piece of fiction that is based on an alternative path for his own life. And but he doesn't really know that, right? When he sets out, well, he he starts off. You know, he he does he he writes it in third person, and it's like Michael Walker does this. Michael Walker oh, so does that. Right. Okay. So 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 it is. It's like a way for him to try on another life. Exactly, of. yeah, trying on a different, different pair of shoes. It's therapy. It's therapy. Come on. <laughs> um, let's see. So, so he starts off, and um, the first character he introduces other himself is just this stranger, this unnamed man who arrives at the door. Who is? It is revealed that he is from the future, and so. Um, but it, it is later in the piece when Michael discovers that The Stranger is from his future and in a timeline where Michael chose to be with a man instead of the uh, woman who's waiting at the altar for him. And uh, with the piece being set in the 70s, um, and it's it's an avenue he had never openly explored or admitted to even seeing the signpost for... Um, so this character represents what that would have been, and uh, they get into a little bit of a fight once that is revealed, and uh, the stranger oh, yeah, yeah. sings "Omission" uh, to him.
1: Whew You did it! I did it! Yeah. Yes. Do you need like a cookie or something? Yeah. I really do. Woo. Yeah. Maybe a cookie dipped in vodka or <laughs> some Kahlua no I think that was clear huh? I hope so yeah the 70s thing is so nice because uh, I mean for this particular story it was uh it was out there in the world this was happening but yeah. the language to talk about it <clears throat> was limited and it depended on where in the country you were and exactly what well, in the world you were yeah um, but within the U.S. where in the country and yeah, where does this just, take place uh very middle America where I'm okay from, yeah so yeah so it's tough yeah exactly. right and yes.
0: tough for her too do we meet her in the show we do yeah. we do a couple of times
1: yeah most Cause... mostly
0: in like you know passing vignettes okay
1: yeah yeah you gotta wonder what it's like for her I know right <laughs> well like, she gets does she have too? a rumble of you know suspicion somewhere but it's like no that doesn't really happen that couldn't be real I'm just so curious about her I th- I mean you know it's still an ever evolving piece
0: um, you know we we are premiering it in May by the way um, great more details coming um, but yeah I think I I think she has suspicions and so um, you know and then she she does something something happens that in, that forces the marriage to happen a little bit more expediently huh. um, so and and whether she did that on purpose or not. Um, I mean, we shall see. Yeah, it's all, you know, I'm gonna give it to
1: the director and say, <laughs> like "Go for fun. me. I have sort of, um, I get, I adopt this attitude when I hear any sort of a play or a musical or something that has a gay theme. I'm like, okay, well, will this be for everybody, or will this just be like preaching to the totally, game? play, right. Yeah is really like the gays are in the show but are they in the audience well on opening night but what about, after <laughs> about? <laughs> right, right, what about right. the rest of this play's life does it have does it say something and uh, what something I like about this song that we looked at today is um, I, I feel like there's a, the, the truthfulness of the song is about we all have something about ourselves that we just don't want to be seeing or having to deal with right you know uh, my mom was a drunkard or like you know uh, I was really abusive to my last partner or you, you know whatever it yeah, is that well, part that you don't want to include in your bio just our gross stuff that we lug around with us and yeah. and this stranger walks in and is like hi <laughs> I, I'm your baggage and we have to talk yep yeah so it's it's quite universal in that way well, thank you I love the song it's been Thanks. a pleasure to work on it thank you well you did it uh,
0: justice and then some thanks Um, I'm excited to play it for you guys Uh, remember if you like the song and we certainly hope that you do it's available for free download on my SoundCloud page that is until the next podcast happens and if you'd like to request sheet music and why wouldn't you you may write me (laughs) at joelbnew at gmail.com for a free PDF of the song why wouldn't you right why wouldn't you do all that right right now yeah I mean, you know, keep listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, f- fun, fun reminders. Uh, be sure you like my fan page on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Uh Make sure you're visiting com and MattCastle.com. Uh, subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. Uh, next uh, episode is uh, actress, singer, and uh, concert producer Leslie Hinstock. Do you know her? I don't know Leslie. She's... Wonderful I'm gonna have to listen. You're gonna have That's to listen. i are gonna You're have, have to, to subscribe do. and tell your friends. Yes. At the same time. Um I and and last but not least, thank you so much, Matt Castle. It's been, been a pleasure, so Joel. Fun. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, from my apartment in Astoria, this is Joel B. New and Matt Castle. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new.
2: Mistakes without too much trying. We make promises we'd like to undo. We make some beds we'd rather not lie in. We make enemies, perhaps more than a few. We make and the rules we break are the parts that might stir things up a bit to make it worth your ink. You can't really think that those parts are the parts you omit. I took a chance to come here and see you, I risked everything, I moved time and space. Tear up the page, but I guarantee you, you won't soon forget that flush felt in your face. But the pacts we make and the rules we break are the pieces that let our puzzle fit. You are the tune I hum. Make sure what's to come is not one of the parts you omit. Twisted reveals, thrills every minute. Your protagonist gets thrown a real curve. You can't turn back as soon as you're in it. Don't throw out the book when it hits every nerve.